Hi, everyone. Lauren from Bone Chillers Podcast here today. Um, welcome to episode number 13. Um, lucky number 13. Back again for our fifth um, episode with Hale. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, and we're going to continue talking about some serial killers. Um, and this week we have gone with another theme. Um, yeah, thanks to Hale for picking this one. It's a really good topic. Um, but we are going to talk about some serial killers who were never caught. Um, so do you have any like spooky updates or anything? Or shall we just get get into the stories? I think we should just get into it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> okay, so um, I am going to talk about Jack the Ripper, which I thought is quite fitting because he's from London, which is near to where I am. So I thought that was quite cool. Um, so well, it's like a theme within a theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, in the mid-19th century, Britain experienced an influx of Irish immigrants who were said to have populated a lot of the major cities, including the East End of London. Um, particularly, the parish of Whitechapel became increasingly overcrowded, with the population increasing to approximately 80,000 inhabitants by 1888. I mean, that doesn't really seem like a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... I guess for that little area it was. <laughs> um, 55% of the children who were born in the East End actually died before they were five, year old, five years old. Um, robbery, violence, and alcohol dependency were common, um, and the poverty drove many women to prostitution just so that they were able to survive. In October 1888, London's Metropolitan Police Service estimated that there were 62 brothels and 1,200 women working as prostitutes in Whitechapel. So Damn, like, what was that? Like half the population? Yeah. yeah. So it's like <laughs> more than one in 80, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, and it also says that approximately 8,500 people resided in the 233 common lodging houses within Whitechapel every night. Um, and a nightly price of a single bed cost 4D, whatever that is. Um, I guess because they used to use like, um, is it sterling? I don't know. <laughs> I have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, and then so they would also have something called a lean-to or hangover, which was a rope stretched across the bedrooms. One of these houses was 2D for adults or children. So this seems like quite a lot. Uh, maybe? I don't know. This, it doesn't seem like a very nice place to, to sleep. <laughs> um, the, large numbers of, the large number of attacks against women in the East End during this time um, kind of just doesn't help the fact that we're not really sure how many victims there were, particularly from Jack the Ripper, um, or just murdered by the same individual. Uh, there were 11 separate murders, which stretched from the 3rd of April, 1888, to the 13th of February, 1891, so three years, um, which were included in the Metropolitan Police investigation and were known on their police docket as the Whitechapel murders. So they kind of just lumped them together anyway. Um, opinions varied as to whether these murders should be linked to the same culprit, but five of the 11 murders, known as the Canaconical Five, Cannot, yeah, I think that's how you say that. <laughs> Are widely to believe the to be the work of the one person known as Jack the Ripper. 
Um, most experts point to deep slash wounds to the throat, followed by extensive abdominal and genital area mutilation, the removal of internal organs, and the progressive facial mutilations, such as... And so these were the distinctive features of Jack the Ripper's, like, MO. Um, and because of uh, the manner of these mutilations, they kind of suspected butchers, slaughterers, surgeons, and physicians. Um just because I guess they would, they would know what they were doing. Right. <laughs> so the five Ripper victims that they definitely linked to him uh, are Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. The body of Mary Ann Nichols, Mary Ann Nichols was discovered at about 3.40 a.m. on Friday, the 31st of August, 1888 in Bucks Row which is now called Durward Street. Um, Nichols had been seen alive approximately an hour before her body was found by a Miss Emily, Emily Holland, which whom she had previously shared a bed with at the common lodging house, um, walking in the direction of Whitechapel Road. Um, when she was found, she was found with her throat severed by two deep cuts, one of which completely severed all the tissue down to the vertebrae. Which is oh my awful. God. Yeah. That's like a long way to go, obviously, from the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, her vagina had also been stabbed twice, and the lower part of her abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep, jagged wound, causing her bowels to protrude. It's just so unnecessary. I know. Like, I know it's horrible, but I hope that that happened, like, after she died, so that oh, she yeah. didn't have to feel that, because that is just not nice. <laughs> um, and also there were several other incisions inflicted to both sides of her abdomen which um, looked to be caused by the same knife um, and these wounds were noted to be inflicted in a downward thrusting manner so like just overkill really yeah. um, a week later on Saturday 8th of September 1888 the body of Annie Chapman was discovered at approximately 9am near the steps to the doorway of a backyard Um so in the same case of Mary Ann, the throat was severed by two deep cuts, her abdomen entirely cut open, um, and a section of the flesh of her stomach was left on her shoulder, and another section, plus her small intestines, was removed and placed above her right shoulder. Um, I wonder what that symbolizes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And also in this one, um, her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. Ew. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know if maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, to leave it all there like that. Right. Yeah, like, I get the, uh, not that I, I get it, but <laughs> yeah. because, you know, they were prostitutes, like, the whole mutilating the vagina. Mm, yeah. But it just seems like a lot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, was he trying to make a point or, I don't know. Right. No idea. Um, and then, so in Elizabeth Stride, she was seen outside the same address that Annie was at about 5.30 in the morning. Um, she was actually seen in the company of a dark-haired man wearing a brown deerstalker hat and a dark overcoat. Um, but according to an eyewitness, the had man had asked Chapman, Elizabeth, the question, will you, to which she replied, yes. So not really sure what happened to her, if maybe he like would kind of preposition them and then kind of take them away and then murder them or, or what. Right. Um, but if that is Jack the Ripper, then that's what it kind of sounds like. 
Mm. Um, so both Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes were both killed in the early mornings of Sunday, the 30th of September, 1888. Stride's body was discovered approximately 1 a.m. in another yard off of a different street in Whitechapel still. Um, for this one, the cause of death was a single clear-cut incision measuring six inches across her neck, which had severed her left carotid no, yes, carotid artery and her trachea before terminating beneath her right jaw. Um, there were no other mutilations to her body, so this led to uncertainty as to whether Stride's murder was committed by the Ripper or if he was in, actually interrupted during the attack. Um, and again, several witnesses later informed the police that they had seen Stride in the company of a man, again, um, sort of right before she was found. Um, but each person gave a different description. So like his com complexion was fair and others said that it was dark and some said that he was nicely dressed and then not, not nicely dressed. So it's kind of, yeah, I guess I couldn't really was, use that to go yeah, by I mean, anything. There were, there were only so many kinds of people at, you know, then at that time. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And I guess if you are a prostitute, you're going to be seeing a lot of people, I would imagine, every so often. So it's just like, well, which right. one did they see? Was it the right. one that actually killed her? So. Um, and then Edo's body was found in Meter Square in the city of London, three quarters of an hour after the discovery of the body of Elizabeth Stride. Um, her throat was severed and her abdomen ripped open by a long, deep and jagged wound before her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder. The left kidney and major part of the uterus had been removed and her face had been disfigured with her nose severed, her cheeks slashed and cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and a half an inch, respectively, vertically incised through each of her eyelids. Ugh. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> a triangular incision... Um, had also been carved upon each of her cheeks and the section of her ear was later recovered from her clothing. So her ear was also severed. Mm. Um, the police surgeon who conducted the postmortem on her body stated that these mutilations would have taken at least five minutes to complete, which I think in the, like relatively, this is a long time. Yeah. Like if there were so many people, like they claimed that it was so, so populous why did nobody see that? Like, where right. was he doing that? Isn't that <laughs> right. terrifying? Yeah. Imagine you're just like walking down the street and you see that. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So they, they called those as the double event because both of the women were found to be um, sort of close in time to ah, each other. Clever. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then, so... The last one was Mary Jane Kelly, and she was said to be extensively mutilated and disemboweled. Um, and she was discovered lying on the bed in a single room where she lived um, on Friday, the 9th of November, 1888, at 10.45 a.m. Her face had been, in quotes, hacked beyond all recognition, with her throat severed down to the spine and the abdomen almost emptied of its organs. Her uterus, kidneys, and one breast had been placed under her head and other viscera from her body placed besides her foot, about the bed, and sections of her abdomen and thighs upon a bedside table. But the heart was missing from the crime scene. He stole her heart. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How cute. 
<laughs> yeah, and just like threw everything else around. That's really crazy. awful. Um, so the majority of the City of London police files relating to this particular investigation, or well, just the case file on Jack the Ripper, was actually destroyed in the Blitz. Um, so that's annoying. They can't really like go back and revisit it. Right. Um, so a large team at the time of policemen conducted house-to-house inquiries throughout Whitechapel. Forensic material was collected and examined. Suspects were identified, traced, and either examined more closely or eliminated from the inquiry. Um, and this is actually the same kind of police work that they do today. So nothing really has changed in 200 years. <laughs> it's still terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so they said that more than 2,000 people were interviewed. Upwards of 300 people were investigated and 80 people were detained. Damn. That's a lot of people. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> Especially with the numbers of how many people were present <laughs> yeah. at the time. What's the capacity of the building? <laughs> Oh, they God, had, yeah, I, I wonder. Had, they had room for all those people? Well, they probably just packed them in. Yeah. <laughs> a, for money, and I guess no other space. Yeah, I guess. Mm. And so following the murders of Stride and Eddowes, the commissioner of the city of police offered a reward of £500 for the arrest of the Ripper, which I feel like would have been a lot then, in right. 1988. Um, and so, obviously, they looked at, like sort of when it happened and the concentration of the killings around weekends and public holidays um, and everything being within a short distance of each other indicated that he might have been in regular employment and lived locally. So some people thought that the killer was like an educated upper class man, such as a doctor or an aristocrat um, who ventured into Whitechapel from a more well-to-do area. Because obviously if he was a doctor, he probably wouldn't be living in this place with like that's over scoundrels yeah <laughs> so um so and also obviously because it is from 1888 everyone alive at the time is like now dead so everyone's just kind of free to accuse anyone and there's no evidence and really nobody to just to be like uh no it wasn't me so, right yeah so at this point you could just be like it was him yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um but th obviously there are many theories about the identity and profession of jack the ripper but authorities haven't agreed upon any of them and the number of named suspects reaches over a hundred um but yeah so his identity just remains unknown and they actually coined a term called ripperology which is to describe the study and analysis <laughs> of the Ripper cases. That's badass. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so actually, I didn't know this part, but over the course of the murders, the police, newspapers, and under it, other individuals received hundreds of letters regarding the case. Um, some of the letters were well-intentioned offers of advice of how to catch the killers, but a lot of them were either hoaxes or just generally useless. Um <laughs> <laughs> they did also claim to have hundreds of letters written by the killer himself and three of these in particular um, were prominent and actually some of them were published so they were called the dear boss letter the saucy jackie postcard and the from <laughs> hell letter 
I like the Saucy Jackie one. I, yes. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Scotland Yard actually published some of the Dear Boss letter and some of the postcard in hope that a member of the public would actually recognize the handwriting. Um, but people were just like, oh, this is a hoax. And nobody like believed it to be true. Um, but actually... <laughs> The police later claimed to identify a specific journalist as the author of both the Dear Boss letter and the postcard. And he said that he had written the letters, signed it, Jack the Ripper, to heighten interest in the murders and keep the business alive. Man, (laughs) journalists always got to ruin everything. (laughs) Like, good job, guys. Getting everyone all riled up for literally nothing. Like what? What did they gain from that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Other than mass hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the nature of the Ripper murders and the impoverished lifestyle of the victims actually drew attention to the poor living conditions in the East End. Um, and I guess so. It's quite good that there's a plus out of this. So basically, um, it kind of made the British government and whoever was in charge then to kind of look at it and be like, oh, this is actually pretty bad. So, yeah. So they yeah, kind of... we should not be letting this happen. No, exactly. So they were just <laughs> we... like, maybe we should fix this up. So right. they realized, oh, yeah, so this is actually, it's overcrowded, it's unsanitary and things like that. So two year, two decades, so quite a bit of time, um, <laughs> the worst of the slums were said to have been cleared and demolished. Um, but the streets and some of the buildings survive. And obviously there's like, I don't if people go to London, there's um, like walking tours of Jack the Ripper and stuff like that. So not that I've been, but. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, the, his uh, legacy is still just being promoted and monetized. <laughs> As, um, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also um, I found this quite interesting as well. In 2015, they opened up a Jack the Ripper museum and there were actually like minor protests about it. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so it says that there's no waxwork figure of Jack the Ripper at uh, Madame Tussaud's chamber of horrors, unlike numerous murderers of lesser fame in accordance with their policy of not modeling persons whose likeness is unknown. And I mean, yeah, how would they know what he looks like? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can't really just make it up. Yeah. Because, yeah. But I thought this was quite cool. He's instead depicted as a shadow. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that's that's really creative and clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in 2006, uh, the BBC History magazine poll selected Jack the Ripper as the worst Brighton in, in history. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was amazing. That's yeah. awesome. I wonder if that still stands. <laughs> I mean, probably, but... Oh, what a title. Yeah. <laughs> You're the worst Englishman ever. <laughs> and that's a competition. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Pretty wow. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I've got on Jack the Ripper. Unfortunately, when we don't really know a lot about them, there's just not a lot of information out. Right. <laughs> yeah. My turn? Yeah, your turn. All right. We're talking about the Zodiac Killer. Awesome. All right. So, um, it all started 1968. Um, serial killing was still pretty new to the U.S. Um, most of like the police force didn't really believe in serial killers. They were just, you know, 
like yeah murderers exist um uh so on december 20th 1968 uh two high school students betty lou jensen and david faraday uh pulled into the local lover's lane and just before 11 p.m a car pulled up next to them a man got out of the car walked towards uh betty lou and david and forced them both out of the car at gunpoint uh the killer shot them both in the head um, Betty Lou had been shot five times in the back and was found 28 feet from the car. So this, uh, kind of led to later speculation that the killer was a trained shot because he had such great accuracy from like a pretty decent distance, right. uh, at night while I was using a handgun. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Jeez. So, and like, there's so many conspiracies about, uh, the Zodiac killer. So that led to conspiracies that he was actually part of the police force and that they actually found out who the Zodiac killer was, but they couldn't say it because he was part of the police force right. and they wanted to cover it up. Ooh. There's so many, it like, <laughs> I've been going crazy. <laughs> These conspiracies. <laughs> like I felt like a mad person. It was, it's great. Um, so July 4th, 1969. Uh, so a few months later, um, Darlene Farron and Michael Maggiao uh, drove to Blue Rock Springs Park. Um, all these murders happened in California, by the way. I don't know if I right. said that. Um, again, a car pulled up next to them, uh, but the car immediately left and came back a few minutes later. The driver got out and shined a bright light into Darlene's car. The killer directed the flashlight right into their eyes before shooting five times. Um, both victims were hit, and a few of the bullets went right through them. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it's like intense. <laughs> uh, the killer started walking away, but then he heard Maggio moaning. Um, so he returned and finished Michael off. Oh. So, just a PSA. If you're ever part of a horrific, uh, you know, event, and there are gunshots, just play dead. Face yeah. down, play dead. Don't make any noise. Um, so, around 30 minutes after the murder... Uh, the Vallejo Police Department got a call that said, I just killed two kids. The <gasps> caller told them exactly where they were, and at the end of the call, he mentioned, almost as an afterthought, yeah, I killed those kids last year, too. <gasps> Ooh. Um, so after the July 4th murders on August 1st, three letters were received at the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. All three letters were identical, but each of the three letters contained a different cipher that supposedly, when put together, would reveal the identity of the killer. Um, the letter to the San Francisco Chronicle said this, Dear Editor, This is the murder of the two teenagers, la teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. Christmas. Number one. Brand name of ammo, Super X. Number two, 10 shots were fired. Number three, the boy was on his back with his feet to the car. Number four, the girl was on her right side, feet to the west. Fourth of July. Number one, girl was wearing patterned slacks. Number two, the boy was also shot in the knee. Number three, brand name of ammo was Western. Here is part of a cipher. The two other parts of this cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and San Francisco Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Fry 1st of Aug 69, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night. Uh, 
I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. At the end of the letter um, was his now infamous zodiac symbol, which is a circle with a cross through it. Yeah. So, like, he he was like, you need to know that this is me. And, like, the Zodiac's biggest thing was that he just loved playing with the police. Like, he loved this, like, cat and mouse game. Yeah. Um. So the Chronicle put the cipher on the front page. <laughs> wow, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but they sent it to, like, the NSA and the FBI, and nobody was able to crack it. Jeez. Um, it actually wasn't decoded until recently um when like a couple of teachers like figured it out (laughs) oh really how funny um so the cypher actually said i like killing people because it is so much fun it is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill something gives me the most thrilling experience it is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl the best part of it is that when i die i will be reborn in paradise and all those i have killed will become my slaves I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then what? at the end of the cipher was a bunch of like, just like random letters. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and the other two ciphers were never solved. And there's a few theories about why, like there were those random letters at the end of that cipher and the other two were never solved. So, obviously one of the theories is that it's just too complicated and that he was like a master of you know codes or whatever sure but another theory is that he just wasn't very smart and it's not actually a good cipher (laughs) like that can be decoded (laughs) only he knew to decode it how funny that it's like one extreme to the next like he's this really great right yeah he's either like a mastermind or he's really stupid (laughs) like doesn't know how to code things um but yeah it's one of those those things because he's either like a mastermind and that's how he's able to avoid police and write these in you know indecipherable ciphers yeah or he is really stupid and he's getting off on dumb luck not getting caught yeah absolutely (laughs) like you Um, you really have to have a lot of balls to do that right and honestly like a lot of if you look into it a lot of the most like prolific serial killers are really stupid yeah like they aren't like competent at all yeah and they just get away with it on luck i guess Yeah. yeah and just incompetency of like the police force as well well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On August 4th, the examiner got a second letter. Um, this is the first time the killer self-identified as Zodiac. The letter says, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The windows the windows were rolled down already. The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat, then the floor in the back, thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and racing engine, as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quite slowly as to not draw attention to my car. 
The man who told the police that my car was brown was a Negro about 40 to 45. He was shabbily dressed. I was at the phone booth having some fun with the, with the Vallejo cops when he was walking by. When I hung up the phone, the damn thing began to ring and, and drew his attention to me and my car. Last Christmas, in that episode, the police were wondering as to how I could shoot and kill my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night and I could see the silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit. That area is surrounded by high hills and trees. What I did was tape a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. If you notice, in the center of the beam of light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling, you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle of light, about three to six inches across. When taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike exactly in the center of the black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them as as if it was a water hose. There was no need to use the gun sights. I was not, I was not happy to see that I did not get front page coverage. Zodiac. Wow. So he so, made his own little like um like honing device or like way to what is yeah. it called? Like when a sniper like fo- like when you focus on a certain thing. Right. That's crazy. So so he didn't even have to use the gun sights. He was just able he just knew exactly where the bullet yeah. was going to hit because of the flashlight. Wow. And then he was mad that he didn't make front page. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> He's like, "No, I need my attention." Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, that's all this is. It's just, like, some guy wanting attention. Oh, yeah. And then the fact that, like, nobody is able to crack the code just gives him that, like, extra pleasure, right? Because he's like, yes, I can write another letter in then. Because they haven't figured it out. (laughs) Right. He's like, yes, I can keep writing my letters. (laughs) Um, It's also worth noting that all of these letters have, like, really bad uh, spelling and grammatical errors. Right. So... It's, it could be that he's uneducated. It could be that he's just in such a frenzy when he's writing that he misspells things. Mm-hmm. But Too we'll excited. Never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> September 27th, 1969. Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard uh, went for a picnic at Lake Berryessa. A man approached them wearing an executioner-style hood with, a clip, with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and what looked like a bib... Um, donning the Zodiac symbol. So he's like, he's got the whole outfit put together now. Oh, wow. Um, He approached them with a gun and claimed to be an escaped convict and said that he needed their car and money uh, to escape to Mexico. He told Shepard to tie up Hartnell with pre-cut lengths of plastic clothesline that he brought, um, and then he tied up Shepard. The killer went to uh, make, you know, make sure that Hartnell was tied up and he noticed that Shepard had bound uh, his hands loosely the killer then drew a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly mm. um, the Zodiac then took a sharpie and he wrote the dates of the other two murders on the door of the couple's car <gasps> he wrote that day's date 6pm which was the time of the murder um, with the words by knife under it oh my goodness because I was like well, I wonder if that's somebody who is like a copycat now well yeah that's a lot because even the letters some of the letters they don't know were from zodiac right um and a lot of these murders you know we don't know we'll get into it later that he keeps claiming that he has more and more victims but nobody knows because murder was rampant in california in the 70s Mm, right (laughs) 60s early 70s um so the ones that are quote-unquote confirmed Zodiac are just right. the ones that have his MO, 
but also his MO changed every time. He used a different gun. He used a different weapon. Yes. You know, he had a different, you know, whatever. So nobody knows really anything right. <laughs> about the Zodiac. Hmm. Um, you know, for all we know, he, the re- like, whoever was committing the murders never actually wrote the letters, for all we know. Right. So it's shrouded in mystery. Mm. <laughs> uh, October 11th, 1969, uh, cab driver Paul Stein picks up who we now know was the Zodiac. Uh, the passenger wanted to be dropped off in Presidio Heights, which was an upscale neighborhood in San Francisco. Uh, the killer shot Stein in the back of the head and removed a piece of the victim's shirt. Zodiac walked through a right before the police got there, um, but the police broadcast accidentally... Um, described the suspect as a black man. Uh, so they dismissed the white man that was just standing there and matched the actual <gasps> description of the killer. Oh, no. Guys, come on. That is poor. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so there were fingerprints on the driver's side of the cab, um, which probably belonged to the Zodiac, but there mm. were no no matches. And also, you know, fingerprint database and DNA stuff was kind of iffy. Uh in 1969 yeah i was gonna say it has didn't really take off until about the 80s i think so right yeah um so the sketch was drawn up based on witness accounts um actual witness accounts (laughs) Um, (laughs) but the so this is like the infamous like zodiac police sketch that's usually associated with him if you look him up like yeah have you have you seen the sketch i feel like i have you You probably have yeah. yeah yeah i'll put it up on the instagram and stuff yeah there you go (laughs) um so this case uh the cab driver case was considered just like kind of a routine uh, robbery Mm -hmm. until the san francisco chronicle got a letter from the zodiac (laughs) Uh, of course um which stated or or it started with the words um i am the murderer of the taxi driver but this time the envelope contained a blood-stained piece of paul stein's shirt (gasps) oh Ah, I was going to say, I wonder what he was going to do with that, but there's my Um, answer. Yeah, there you go. He did deny leaving fingerprints and claimed that the sketch wasn't accurate because he wore a disguise. But we'll never know. Right. November 8th, 1969, a letter is received again by the Chronicle, um, which included another piece of the cab driver's shirt. Um, It also had a greeting card and another cipher. The next day, the longest message from the Zodiac is received at the Chronicle. He claimed that the police stopped him at one of the crime scenes, but let him go. Really? So the police, like, stopped him, asked him questions as a witness, and then just let him go. Wow. Um, That letter also included a bomb recipe and a diagram of an explosive. (gasps) Ooh. (laughs) On December 20th, this is where it gets weird. I mean, not that it's not... Weird already. But uh, December 20th, 1969, Zodiac wrote a letter to the famous attorney Melvin Belly, um, basically pleading him for help, asking him to intervene as he feared he couldn't control the urge to kill much longer. Oh. So, like, I mean, yeah, it's probably just another stunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is also the first time, and I think the only time, that he didn't write to the paper. Oh, that's weird. So, 
I mean, he could have like included his name if he actually wanted help. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so he sent tons of letters in the early seventies. Um, I'm not going to read them all. You you kind of get the vibe. They're all pretty much the same. Um, you know, they all had ciphers in them. None of them have really been able to. None of them have really been cracked. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also probably you know kept killing. But none of the none of the murder cases after the Hart and Ellen Shepherd case have been quote unquote confirmed, right? Um, as Zodiac. So on January thirty first, nineteen seventy four, um, after three years of silence, the Chronicle receives another letter that claims that the Zodiac has taken thirty seven victims. Oh, um, then Zodiac went silent again for four years. On April 26, 1978, um, he wrote the San Francisco police inspector, like, directly, um, and said that um, the inspector, David Toshi, uh, was good, but I am smarter. Oh, he went straight to the top. He's had enough now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was the last letter that had ever been received. So. I mean, who knows if he just kept killing after that, if he just wanted to, like, you know, have a mic drop moment and be like, you're good, but I'm better, and then just kept killing. Like, nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows anything about wow. this case. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. Like, it could just be a whole number of things. Like, maybe he just died, and he's like, obviously couldn't do it from the dead. Right. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. Just, he's haunting San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's so weird because it's obviously not, like, super long ago that if he is alive like he could still be there yeah he could absolutely still be alive so unless he was like really really old then but i doubt it right yeah the way that he i don't know he just like he was probably in like his 30s you know right yeah obviously if you like he's stabbing people like you'd have to be relatively strong to do that Right, but say. also, like he he had to have like some kind of training with a gun. Yeah, because he, like even with the light, he was still like an incredibly accurate shot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there have been there have been a few suspects over the years since then. Um, <laughs> they tried to frame, or they you know tried to, you know, everyone thought that it was. Ted Kaczynski. Have you heard mm-hmm. of Ted, uh, Ted Kaczynski? The Unabomber? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then he was convicted of being the Unabomber, so they were like, oh, I guess you're not Zodiac. You, could, you <laughs> couldn't be the Zodiac if you were the Unabomber. Yeah, right. Um, all the DNA evidence has been non-conclusive. Um, they have run several DNA, even up to like 2018. Uh, wow. They sent a bunch of because they still have the letters obviously so they yeah. sent those in for like dna testing but nothing ever comes out of it um right. the case has been it's never been shut but it's been like put to the side when you know the police department gets really busy <laughs> right yeah um but it always ends up coming back um so yeah i mean we'll probably never know who the zodiac killer was that's crazy um, but the case will live on and people will still you know continue talking about it and speculating yeah and you said that the teachers um, deciphered the code. Do you know when that was? If that was like more recent. 
Um, I couldn't find a date. Oh, which okay. Was weird, but it was yeah, it was it was pretty recently. Oh, okay. So, oh, and why did he call himself the Zodiac Killer? Nobody knows. No, which because <laughs> I'm always trying to figure it out because obviously, like the names kind of relate to what they've done. Right. Like there has to be a reason. Yeah, but it's not like. I don't know. It has nothing to do with the Zodiac at all. Right. And so he, there's there's a lot of theories about the symbol that he uses, like the circle with the cross through it. Right. So there's theories that it's a satanic symbol. There's uh, theories that it's a KKK symbol and that he was actually like a white supremacist, even though he was only killing white people. Right. Um, there's just... I, I guess it's because we literally know nothing yeah. Other than the letters that we have, but even those could be fake. Yeah. That all that's out there is speculation. Right. So that means it could be anything because we right. have nothing. <laughs> oh, how irritating. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any like theories yourself? Um, I think, I honestly think that it wasn't one person mm. because it's, very unusual that he that if it was one person he would use a different gun each time or a different weapon yeah so like personally i think it was either a bunch of different people or a group of people i wonder if they like knew each other if it was a group of people as well be like you can do this one this day and you can use that and right. i'll go tomorrow and use this knife and then that guy will go again tomorrow Right. Or the next day. It's also because when he self-identifies as Zodiac in the letters, he doesn't say, like, Zodiac Killer or, like, he just says either Zodiac or the Zodiac, which could be right. a group. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It could refer to more than one person for sure. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I just want to oh, know. No. Like, we'll never know. <laughs> I just want to know. Like, can you just tell us now if you're still alive? Because... Yeah, come on. Like, <laughs> That's it. Enough now. <laughs> it was literally like, what, 40 to 50 years ago? The yeah. His last letter was 40 years ago. Well, 43 yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Jeez, come on. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and uh, like there have been you know plenty of copycats since then people right um who you know commit murders and then write letters to the police but nobody has ever you know gone to this level or evaded capture this long so yeah Yeah, indefinitely well yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's also one of those things where like the families of those who were murdered probably won't get that closure either so it's just not only just the mystery of it and trying to figure it out, but also for for those. Because obviously they might still be alive. Right. So, whereas in the Jack of the Ripper, they're, de- they're definitely not. So yeah. kind of And there just... are there are some people um, who were um, Zodiac victims that are still alive. Oh, really? So he didn't mm-hmm. actually sort of, he wasn't successful with all of them. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I think, well, I don't know if they're still alive now but right, right. <laughs> um like they survived the zodiac sure, i know brian yeah. brian hartnell um, yeah he survived cecilia shepherd uh died right but, yeah there are a few, oh, a few and zodiac victims well. that oh, okay lived, that lived yeah 
Oh, and I guess their witness accounts obviously led to nowhere, unfortunately. Right, yeah. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah. I think it, it kind of came down to, obviously, the, you know, inadequacy of the police department, which is a, is a big theme in these episodes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but also, like, even if you look at the sketch, like, it just looks like a guy from California. <laughs> it could be anyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the California police. I don't know if you've seen the um, the Night Stalker on Netflix. I haven't. I've been meaning to watch it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, there's another but, one. You're just watching. You're like, the police are just so. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I I know the story of the Night Stalker, so it's yeah. But yeah, yeah. And then we've watched like the Cecil Hotel one about um, Elisa Lam. I think she's yes. called. Yeah, and so in that one, you can see the completely. Like, the police have changed, I think, completely, whereas mm. they seemed a bit more competent. I mean, right. I know it was, like, however many years later, but, yeah, you can see maybe they've learned a bit. So Yes, definitely. Not all hope is lost <laughs> yeah. these days, maybe. Yeah, but I think, I think it's also, like, when the Zodiac was around, nobody really knew, in the U.S. at least, that, like, serial killing was a thing, that, like, one person could go... Yes. You know, killing one person a week or whatever. They just figured, like, a murderer was a murderer and then they get caught. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, like, that's why, like, late 60s, early 70s was, like, prime time for serial killers because the police force just were not prepared to right. deal with that. Yeah. And now I think they would be pretty hot on you. Yeah. Well, that's why there's no real serial killers now. No. That's right. You know? They're Plus DNA and. Yes, and everything. fingerprints and stuff. Yeah. Although I, when you said about the, the fingerprints for him didn't, um, like nothing turned up, it's one of those things as well as like if they haven't been sort of criminally investigated and had their fingerprints on the system, that's another way to get get around it. Right. So it could be that it is the same person over and over again, but they're not just not being caught because they haven't been caught before. Right. So they just yeah, went exactly. all in straight. So first crime is there right. a, as a murder. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah. But I guess his fingerprints and stuff are on file now. Right. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be uh hopefully somebody somewhere will come up with something. A clue or I'm pretty intrigued by these letters as well. I wanna see if I can have a look at these clues. <laughs> yeah, there's uh oh, I don't remember the website, but there's a whole website that's just it's like zodiac killer Z blech, zodiac killer archives and it's like all the letters all the ciphers like a timeline of <laughs> everything <gasps> it's great like people are super into this people are still like oh, trying I to figure it out it's crazy yeah yeah these internet sleuths i think that's what yes. they call them <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool well cool. i don't have anything to add if do you yeah no that's no. it <laughs> no, cool well thanks for everyone for listening and um, thanks hal for joining us again um Not and a problem. yeah see you guys next time bye